Welcome back to episode 10 of the Bend in the Trail podcast. I'm your host, Todd Linder. Kenji Kimura is about to find his life completely changed when he abandons his family occupation and flees all he has known until this moment. Emily's hands gently caressed the trunk surface, tracing the Japanese characters, wondering what they meant. Well, open it, you scouty cat, she chided herself. Gently opening its lid, a smell something like eucalyptus or cedar wafted from inside. Inside, everything had been arranged with great care. On one side was a bamboo wood box with a lid. Inside were several items which Emily recognized. There was a beautiful green jade bowl, a bamboo whisk, and several pretty cups. These were some of the things used in a tea ceremony. Replacing the lid, she noticed two rolled-up items which turned out to be expertly done calligraphy on rice paper, and a small painting of delicate cherry trees set in a garden, also on rice paper. She carefully rolled these up and placed them where they had been. On the left side was a bundle wrapped up in red silk cloth and tied with a delicate black cord. On top of the bundle was a narrow, shiny black lacquer case with more Japanese writing on it. Setting that aside, Emily carefully removed the bundle and gently removed the black cord which secured it. She removed an exquisitely made light pink kimono and held it up to herself. Sliding each arm into the sleeves, she wrapped it around herself. It seemed a perfect fit. She picked up the three items left in the bundle, which were some kind of cords and a wide belt. Not knowing how to put these on properly, she just chose one of the white cords and wrapped it around her, tying it the best she could. Not wanting to get the kimono dirty on the dusty floor, Emily knelt carefully on the wrapping, which had covered the beautiful piece of clothing, and picking up the black case, gently pulled out a fan, grasping the handle portion. Suddenly, she experienced that tingling sensation on the back of her neck again as she began to open it. When it was fully open, a light shone from the underside, almost as if it were the white light from a strong flashlight. Emily dropped the fan as if it were on fire. A glow still emanated from the bottom side of the fan where it lay. Gingerly, she picked it up and turned it over to see what was causing that light. What she saw was the strangest thing she'd ever seen. A light began to appear, a scene like a movie playing on the surface of the fan. An image of a small boy who looked no older than eight or so was standing by a pond. You must train as you will fight one day, said the man gruffly. Every good shinobi must learn to endure hardship silently if he's to have a successful mission. The older man watched intently as the boy removed his clothes and holding a thin reed, waded into the water. He waded in until he was submerged, with only the reed barely visible above the water's surface. This is weird, Emily whispered. She was pretty sure the man was speaking Japanese, but she understood every word. After putting his clothes on and still shivering, the boy ran all the way home. When he arrived, after removing his shoes, a woman Emily assumed must be his mother, made him sit on the tatami mat and handed him a steaming bowl of fish and rice. He ate slowly, not looking up at his mother. She waited until he was through and had drunk his tea before quietly calling his name. Kenji, what is it that makes you so unhappy? 
With his eyes still downcast, stirring into his tea, Kenji gave no answer. Is it about father? Mother asked, almost in a whisper. Kenji finally looked up with tears in his eyes and answered in the same kind of almost whisper. Why? Mother sighed and answered with a pained voice. You know why, Kenji. Your father died doing an important job for the clan. But why do we have to be shinobi? It's because our family has been so for more than a hundred years, replied Mother. It's how we make our living. I don't want to be shinobi. I want to be a teacher, or to paint, or maybe even write poetry. Mother sighed deeply without replying. She didn't really want to continue this conversation. Go bathe and get ready to sleep. As Kenji bathed in the warm water, he heard his uncle come in. Before going to his room and sleeping mat, he crept near the screen to listen to what uncle was saying. That boy will turn out to be worthless if he doesn't apply himself. His heart's not in it. Perhaps his heart is not in his work because it still lies with his father, the boy's mother said quietly. Kenji crept away from the room to his sleeping mat. An unseen voice entered the story, still speaking Japanese, as though intimately acquainted with the details. Emily was completely captivated as the voice continued. He lay awake, thinking about the overheard conversation. He did miss his father terribly, seeing his smiling face and hearing his soft, calm voice. His voice had never spoken in anger, either to himself or to his mother. Maybe that was why his heart was not in his training. But there was also something else. He hated the life his father had lived, often away on secret missions, and when he was home, he was usually training hard to keep his body in superb condition or with weapons. He also spent much time with Uncle Jiro, planning the next secret job for hire. Most of all, he hated the fact that the last mission had taken his father's life. After several hours of tortured thoughts, Kenji fell asleep, but only fitfully. He was troubled by unpleasant dreams the rest of the night. Emily reluctantly folded the fan, and looking round the attic, realized the light was beginning to dim. Emily! Grandmother called from downstairs. Coming, she replied, practically shouting to be heard. Quickly taking off the kimono and folding it as neatly, quickly as she could, she wrapped it in its covering. Placing the fan on top, she closed the trunk and quietly made her way out of the attic. All evening the day's events swirled around in her head. She would have to find a way to get back into the attic without Grandmother's knowing. She had to find out what happened to this little boy. What was this shinobi stuff, anyway? Aside from being uncomfortable, why was he so reluctant to follow his family's tradition? Emily did feel sorry for him at having lost his father. Loving her own father as she did, she couldn't imagine him having a job which could get him killed. Emily woke with a start as chirping birds and early morning light jolted her out of a very strange dream. In it, she had replaced Kenji, and her mother was the mother in the story. Her father was also the missing father. She sat up in bed, wondering how she could continue watching this strange story without grandmother's knowledge. Finally, deciding that the only way to do that was to bring the trunk to her room and hide it under the bed, 
That way, in the evening, she could claim to be bored with television and take a book upstairs pretending to want to read before bed. The thought of purposely deceiving her grandmother bothered her, but the story had already pulled her in. She felt compelled to find out more about this family. After breakfast, she moved the trunk to her room, while grandmother was sitting in her garden at the back of the house. She found a book on Japanese culture and history in the small living room and decided to research this shinobi thing. What she found out fascinated her. Emily shivered involuntarily when she read of the shinobi practice of the occasional assassination. How could you do that? Be so callous, I mean, to murder someone because you'd been paid to or ordered to. Thoughts of what she had read in the morning filled her thoughts the rest of the day. In the evening, she politely excused herself and went to her room. The door to the room opened a crack, and two elderly eyes peered in, watching Emily slide the trunk from under the bed. An elderly mouth formed into a knowing smile. She watched as Emily carefully opened it, and sitting on the floor, gently opened the fan, not knowing exactly what to expect. Instead of the story, the fan just remained a fan. There was no movement or scene or anything. Emily pondered for a minute why nothing was happening. Putting the fan down for a moment, she paced the room, talking to herself. What's different? Why isn't it working? Stooping down, she looked into the open trunk and gently removing the wrapped bundle, setting it on the bed. After untying it, she stroked the beautiful pink kimono, admiring it, its intricate design. Slipping it on, she wrapped it around herself and tied it with one of the cords. So you decided not to read tonight. Oh, the kimono fits you very well. Emily jumped with a start and spun around to see Grandmother standing in the doorway, one hand on the doorknob. I'm so sorry, Grandmother. I didn't mean to pry. I'm sorry about snooping in the attic. Grandmother smiled tolerantly and waved a hand. Oh, no need to apologize, Emily. These are things that will be yours someday anyway. That kimono was mine when I was your age. Here, let me show you how to put on the different belts. When she was done, Grandmother had Emily looking like a proper Japanese young lady. I see you had a look at the fan. Well, please be careful with it. It's very old. It goes back a very long way. You enjoy yourself, and I'll see you at breakfast. After Grandmother had gone, Emily sat carefully in the chair and picked up the folded fan, looking at it closely. Somebody must have taken very good care of this fan, she thought. Looks brand new to me. Casually unfolding it, the light suddenly appeared on the underside. Quickly, Emily turned it over, and then it shut it again. Oh, why is it working again? And then it dawned on her that she, when she had tried it earlier, she hadn't been wearing the kimono. As she slowly opened it, the characters remained frozen until the voice of the narrator reactivated the story. Join me again next time as Kenji and his victim flee for their lives to Japan's northern island of Hokkaido to make a fresh start. Until then, happy trails.